Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, slutty scholars, you have asked and you shall receive. I am now going to be doing Q&A episodes. If you would like to anonymously ask a question to be featured on the show, just go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the link, ask a question. That's sluttyscholars.com and click on the link to ask a question. That's also where you can find all of my advertiser discounts. So feel free to ask away. I will get to as many questions as I can, but I can't promise that I will get to all of them, though I really Really do look forward to hearing from you and I'm excited to connect more in this way. Hope you enjoy the episode and I'm excited to read your questions. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, the podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm excited to welcome Allie Eisman. She is a leader and organizer within the sex and lifestyle community, serving on the leadership board of one of LA's most distinguished play parties. As a concierge sexual wellness guide for couples and individuals curious to explore healthy non-monogamy, she offers private guidance, eco-luxury retreats, and online courses and resources through her company, Passport to Pleasure. Welcome, Allie. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Okay, so I've seen you describe yourself as a former serial monogamist. I'm so curious how you made it from that to sex party host. Yeah, it's been a journey, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, let me, I'll preface too with it for those, if you're not familiar with the term serial monogamous, it just basically meant I was in exclusively monogamous relationships over and over and over for about the same amount of time with about the same amount of time in between. So it was very much a pattern. And when I realized like, oh, hey, this is a pattern. This is mm-hmm. interesting. I wonder, mm-hmm. I wonder what that's about. And I was just getting out of the latest relationship. I said, okay, well, I'm a very curious person. I like learning and expanding. Uh, Let's see what happens if I don't get into another relationship at the scheduled time. Let's see Mm -hmm. what's on the other side of that. And the answer is all of the shit. (laughs) (laughs) All of the shit, all the the good stuff that's, you know, uncomfortable, painful, all the the things to work on, self-reflection, et cetera. And that really started a deeper journey into what do I need? What do I want? And reflecting on what kind of partners I was choosing. And something that I did notice is that I I had curiosities outside of the relationships that I was in. I was only dating men at the time, very closeted. And um, so subsequent relationships following that little mini realization, if you will, I tried to broach, hey, can we bring someone else in? And of course, landed on, yes, we can have a threesome with another woman. It's usually the easiest entry point for a lot of heterosexual men. Never happens. Um, not for lack of me trying, 
But the big culminating moment, oh, and I should say part of that realization too, I didn't have words like compersion in my vocabulary at the time, but I always knew there was something different about me because I, I didn't understand why jealousy had such a bad rap. Like I enjoyed hearing about my partner's interests, exploits, other experiences, et cetera. They needed me, of course, to be an untouched virgin, but <laughs> I loved hearing about all their curiosities and experiences. Thank you for naming that double hot. standard that <laughs> pops course. up a lot in, yeah, uh, yeah. in that well, dynamic. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I've never had um, any partner besides you, but you can do whatever you magic. want. Yeah, mm. it's that's a whole other episode <laughs> yeah. I can go into. But um, uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing. I was just like, I, I guess I like jealousy. Like it's, it's good for me. Um, so I was in what uh, ended up becoming my, my last monogamous um, relationship. And we had gotten to the point where, so he traveled a lot for work. Um, I would join him when I could, but wasn't always able to. And we had a few conversations and got to the point where I was like, if you meet someone on the road, if there's a curiosity, like send me a, a consensual picture and like have fun and then tell me everything. Like I really, I really want this and, and vice versa. And so he was on the road for one, um, one engagement and i guess he met someone at the hotel bar if i'm remembering correctly sent a picture super cute i was like oh my god it's so much fun like i can't wait so they go back to his room and they end up just talking for the evening which is wonderful that's fine it's not about like pushing something that's not happening organically um the problem came about when i had the same opportunity back home during another time when he was out of town friend of mine um who was coming to visit and do some work in town. We had a sexual history. We're very, very much just friends. We just happened to enjoy having sex. I was like, this is perfect. Someone I feel safe with, someone I know there's no like potential more. Like, babe, are you good? He's like, got you got the green light, go for it. So my friend and I connected. I ended up learning my friend's last relationship was open as well. We had this wonderful night of just talking and playing and sex and all the things. And I just felt so connected to my partner. I couldn't wait to tell him everything. It very much for me poured back into what I was building with him. And so the mm -hmm. second I left uh, my friend's place, I called my partner. I said, Oh my God, love, I love you so much. Like, I can't wait to tell you everything. I was so confirming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just dead silence on the other end. Babe, are you there? Like, is, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Does this connect? And then all I hear is, I can't believe you did it. And that of course began the implosion of the relationship there were other issues but so it was a trap was, or he just thought he'd yeah. be okay with it and then wasn't or a test uh, based on how things progressed uh, a trap a test ugh, um ugh. and uh, yeah and that's again unhealthy regardless of what relationship dynamic you're in you're responsible for naming your boundaries and claiming them mm -hmm. and then if something gets broached you work on it with your partner you don't entrap them into things like that that's yeah because i mean i can um, as a human understand in theory being like yeah i'm okay with that and then when it actually happens being so dysregulated right and needing yeah. to like oh i thought i was okay with this and now i'm flipping out yeah, yeah understandable when you're exactly. opening up for the first time and yeah, this sounds course. much ickier yeah, it was very much from the framework. It wasn't like, oh, wow, that landed for me. I thought I would like that more on it, and I don't. It was very yeah. much, you're wrong for doing this because I didn't do it when you gave me the opportunity. So I you know, love you more than you love me, and I'm committed wow. to this relationship, oh, and you're just, not. And we it was just talked, and you did this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's very much that framing. And I had no resources at the time. Like mm -hmm. I didn't exist as who I am now back then. There were, there was, as far as I knew, no one offering the resources I'm now working to offer to the, to the public and, and our community. But there's, um, 
it was quite a journey of realizing like, A, I'm not wrong. I'm so grateful that I at least had a strong enough sense of self to go, no, actually, this is real for me. And and I definitely didn't want to hurt anyone. But that's also why that was very much my last monogamous relationship, because I said, okay, this is real for me. It's now my responsibility to explore this alone, because I don't want any more emotional casualties, regardless of healthy or not. This is this is my journey to go on right now and to discover what's possible and what's real for me. And then I was just basically like, okay, universe, I'm clear. I know there's like parties, events and communities and people, and I have no idea how to access them. So I'm ready and started doing the dating app stuff. And I, very quickly after, actually, I was, uh, what, it was an afternoon stand, never saw each other again. Um, and literally we're cleaning up and he's like, Hey, there are these parties you might be interested in. And then it was just like, <laughs> began an eight or nine, what's now become an eight or nine year uh, journey of just expansion and growth and community yeah. organizing. And it's been incredible. Yeah. I, um, thank you for defining what like serial monogamous like meant for you. And, and for me, I talked about this on another podcast recently. It was just like what we're taught, like, even though I knew in theory about non-monogamy in college, and that's when I was starting to like study sexuality and things Mm -hmm. like that, like it was still hard to, um, actually integrate. Um, and so like growing up, like when I would have the desire or the urge to connect with somebody else, I was like, Oh, I guess I break up with this partner. (laughs) Right. Like I have to be, you know, that's the only option. (laughs) Yeah. My therapist at the time was kind of monogamously minded. And so I was like, okay, I have to be open and like, end the relationship so that I can like be in, you know, good standing, whatever, and then have this other relationship, or I would feel tempted to, or sometimes cheat, um, because it was like, well, what are, what are the other options here? And so, um, I'm curious, uh, if there's anything internally for you that helped you kind of give permission that you could have that, right. Cause you're like having this experience, you're saying, you know, he's making me feel maybe like I did something wrong or bad, but I, I know that I'm not like anything that was helpful to, to feel into the, I know that I'm not bad or wrong for wanting this. Sure. maybe you know, we kind of handled better, whatever, but like, yeah. What helped you give yourself permission to keep seeking? Thank you. That's actually a great question. And I'm just realizing an ingredient that I don't think I honestly realized was a part of that until right now. Um, yes. I was in the midst of, <laughs> yeah, I was like literally having an epiphany moment on the podcast in real time. We love um, that. Thank you so much for for framing that question that way. I really appreciate the opportunity to really reflect on even the earliest parts of this journey. I'm very lucky to say that even though at this point I, you know, I didn't have any kind of specifically sex positive community or anyone in my life that identified as non-monogamous, but I was lucky enough to have cultivated friendships in my life that were able to hold space for me, even in my differences from them. And so, for example, in this, um, you know, when this relationship started to kind of really fall apart because of this um, pivotal moment in the beginning of this exploration, we we sat down in council with a couple that we were friends with, actually the couple that we had met through. Um, and, you know, while this couple is very very much identifies as monogamous and they've, you know, been married for, for years, have two children together, despite them identifying as monogamous, they were still able to be there for me and for us um, in a non-attached way, you know, acknowledging that, hey, this is real for Ali. This is something that she clearly needs to explore. And, you know, it's an important thing to look at is that, you know, two people in a relationship need to be able to grow and explore and express. And it's not a matter of, you know, Allie being wrong for, 
for needing to explore this, needing to look at this, but it is a matter of potentially looking at, you know, are we compatible? Are we looking for the same things? And just having that reflection um, from an external source, especially a source that's two people who don't identify as non-monogamous themselves, being able to feel validated in that way, that way, and and to have it voiced that like, hey, you're not wrong. There may be some changes that need to take place. And perhaps, you know, this relationship is, is no longer compatible for both people involved, but you're not wrong for this. This is something valid that you should explore. I, I mean, that was just, that was just priceless. I'm, I'm forever grateful <laughs> to, to my friends, Justin and Emily Baldoni for that incredible reflection and, um, and support. Uh, it, was a huge part of, of changing my life and creating the opportunity for me to f- be far more fully expressed and understand my own um, orientation and identity so much deeper. Just deep, deep gratitude. There was a lot of good stuff in that relationship. Um, I grew a lot and there was stuff that I have outgrown. Um, so it was just a part of that process. But I think being in that training actively in that time in my life mm-hmm. helped me really root into well, hang on. Um, it's not like, oh, my feelings are right and your feelings are wrong. No, no. We created a, a like structure that I adhered to. I have not actually broken anything. So what is it that I've done wrong? Mm-hmm. You not speaking for your boundaries, you not being truthful, you not honoring our relationship by bringing that forward in that way is not mm-hmm. actually, that's not my responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, this is like not to hate on serial monogamous either. Like if you're listening no. and you're like, I love serial monogamy. <laughs> like I think the word serial like can make it sound bad because you think of like serial killer. <laughs> but like serial monogamy <laughs> doesn't have to be bad. I just like, you know, if you are tuning in for some reason for the first time, um, you know, versus listeners who have been tuning in for a while, like I'm supportive of all kinds of relationships for folks that are right for them. I just like want people to have the permission to see like, what is the right fit for me, you know? And so if you've explored or just know what else is out there and have kind of challenged your internal dialogue a little bit and still are like serial monogamy is what works for me. Like, great. (laughs) I'm, I'm glad for you. Well, to me, to me, the word serial is, is there's an element of like lack of awareness around it of like, it's a habitual Mm. thing versus a chosen thing. I'm here for people to actively choose a relationship dynamic that works for them based on personal growth, exploration, communication, tools that we, I would say take for granted, but also honestly, like don't even really promote. You're just like the mainstream world is like you date. Um, we're going to assume that we're on this date for the same reason. I'm going to assume that word monogamy means the same thing to you as it does to me. I'm going to assume yeah. you have all the same boundaries Lots as of I assumptions, do. Yeah. Um, let's get married. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> on the first date. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. let's restate it. A better saying would be intentional monogamy. <laughs> yeah. Any relationship dynamic, intentional, educated, chosen, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you're agreeing to partnership with yeah. however many people partnership isn't just think of a business. Would you just like arbitrarily do business with someone like, no, you set parameters, you set an agreement. Um, something I really, really promote again, regardless of relationship dynamic monogamous or non-monogamous is having a relationship agreement. Mm-hmm. I think it's so powerful. Like you, you can have a marriage contract, all that. That's a separate thing. Believe it or not. It's really about merging assets more than anything else. Um, a relationship agreement is a document, an actual document written down or, or typed, 
um, but that you work on with your partner and partners. Um, but it's really, it's about a partnership. So you do an individual one, depending on how many partners you have, but it sets all the boundaries within, you know, communication, other partners, time management, safer sex practices, all of those things so that you have parameters in which to work and you reassess it regularly. Yes. You're visiting it with each other. You're seeing what needs to change because I don't know about you. I'm always growing. <laughs> like I'm always changing. You're going to need to tweak things. Ideally, you're growing with your partner and they're growing with you. Um, it's a document that I just, I like, can't tell you how much it's transformed quite frankly, all of my relationships, because non-monogamy in this kind of journey isn't just about like romance and sex. Like it's yeah. transformed every area of my life, all kinds of relationships. Well, and if we're thinking of like contracts and negotiations in general, like some are maybe like, this is for always in perpetuity forever across the universe. But like, those are usually contracts yeah. that it feels a little scarier to sign, right? Yeah. Like, they don't hold part, up well in court. Right, part <laughs> of other contracts, at least ones that, you know, um, are maybe preferred would be like, this is lasting for this amount of time. And so that's another key thing that you're saying is like, part of this agreement is also saying, what's our agreement about how we check in about it, right? Like, can we, is there permission that we just can check in anytime? Do we do a a monthly, weekly, quarterly, you know, review um, and what what works for each of you? Um, So that that's important. Very much so. It's, it, it is any partnership is a partnership, whether it's romance, money, whatever it is, it has to be addressed like a living, breathing organism that it is. Yeah. You, um, you used the word, um, I think in your bio and also in, in some of your description before you use the word like healthy non-monogamy and, um, mm-hmm. probably cause I'm a therapist, but personally I find myself like staying away from that word a little bit just because, you know, health, healthy relationships, especially with like shame and stuff around non-monogamy can be subjective but I'm curious mm-hmm. what has felt healthy for you um, in non-monogamy. Yeah, I also really want to quickly why I use that word. So the term you'll hear a lot is ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. Like it should and be I, ethical and consensual built in. <laughs> yes, and that's where kind of the pushback has come yeah. from the community of like, are you saying that inherently non-monogamy is unethical? So why I like the word healthy is because any relationship dynamic can be healthy or unhealthy Mm. with yourself, with other people, with one Mm -hmm. other person, um, romantic or otherwise. So healthy health is also something that you're nurturing in an ongoing way. You're, you know, whether you're going to the gym or you're learning about new supplements or you're changing your diet or you're learning new communication habits. Health is a, is a practice. Um, yeah, like so health me, forward, I like non-monogamy. How, yeah, <laughs> how many? How many? How many uh, words can we? Can we I know. <laughs> I know we me, need an easier felt, one. It felt more all-encompassing to use it that way because even if you're like, oh, are you implying that non-monogamy is unhealthy? Well, any relationship can be healthy or unhealthy. So yeah, there is unhealthy non-monogamy, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but there is a lot of healthy not monogamy as well. And I think it's important, like I said, I'm very logical. So just to like touch on something we were saying earlier too, to bring it into this part of the conversation, it's it's not necessarily a conversation, a blanket statement of monogamy or non-monogamy is better or worse than the other. I'm a numbers girl. We have an over 70% divorce rate for first time marriages in our culture. Of the 30% that that leaves married, 25% of them interviewed wish they were divorced or getting a divorce. That leaves 5% who non who monogamy is actually working for actively. Ugh. So that's me, 95%. Yeah, but it's and again, it's not like it it's a bummer because we're 
we're not serving 95% of the population because we're saying this is the one way. And if it's not working for you, there's something wrong with you. Right. And that's 95% (laughs) possibility that that's not true. Mm -hmm. There's other options or other healthy ways that you can experience love, give love, show love, grow, et cetera, that you can be in partnership and relationship. Um, and, and trying to just, um, well, what's the word where you like, everything goes into like a fu- funnel, everything into like one way. It's just, mm-hmm. it, 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 somebody who experiences love, non-monogamy is a lifestyle and it can also be an orientation. So trying to tell somebody who's non-monogamous to just, you know, be monogamous, there's something wrong with you, go to more therapy, you know, do more ayahuasca, whatever, like you're trying to tell, it's equivalent to trying to tell a gay person to be straight. Like that's not how they experience the world. That's not how I experience the world. I'm able to love my partner so much more fully and freely when I'm able to be non-monogamous in a way that we agree upon that works for us. Like I, I didn't know that I could love the way that I could until exploring this path. I thought there was something wrong with me because that's what I was being told. Well, yeah. And and when I think of like health in our country too, like much like healthy or healthy practice or whatever in in other aspects, how much of our culture feels quote unquote comfortable sitting in repetitive behaviors that are harmful to their health. Right. And so whether that be in a marriage or in your exercise routine or whatever, like, or just putting off going to the doctor. I mean, we all, a lot of us do that. Right. And so it's, it's just sort of like a symptom of our culture and society and a variety of things where a lot of us feel, um, I've used this term on the podcast before, but, uh, or this phrase on the podcast before it might be shit, but at least it's warm. (laughs) You know, we all get stuck in this, like, that we're not, that we can't have, ask more, that we can't ask for more, that we're supposed to be like happy with what is, but then it's also combined with this aspect of FOMO. So we're just like in this constant push pull of like, oh, I wish I was doing this better, but I'm not, or I wish I had this other thing, but I'm not. So a lot of us just feel comfortable staying right where the fuck we are. (laughs) Well, yeah, because then you don't have to have responsibility, right? Because like we, we want the autonomy, right? We want the freedom and all that stuff. But we don't want any of the responsibility, I'm speaking very generally, yeah. we don't want any of the responsibility required to do so, yeah. to do those things with integrity, right? Like, so I'd rather, and I'm not me, like, I'll, I'd rather cheat than like have to have the uncomfortable conversation of like, hey, I'm finding myself attracted to other people. It's not detracting in any way from mm-hmm. our relationship. Yeah. Um, if anything, it's additive. Like for me, I experienced compersion. Like I love watching my partner, hearing about my partner with someone else. When they share it with me, I feel so special and loved and like yummy and a part of it. And like when I can be a part of it, it's nice too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and when I'm experiencing with someone else, it's like I said, like even from my first experience, it was very much, it very much pours into what I'm building with my partner. So when we talk about healthy for you, what component yeah. does that include? Like when you think about your ideal sure. um, health forward relationship, what are the included components? Absolutely. Well, like communication is foundational, again, regardless of monogamy or non-monogamy, making sure that I am of my word, um, mm-hmm. making sure that I'm a part of creating a container with my partner that has room for mistakes, because mm-hmm. that's just the greatest tool for learning, making mm-hmm. sure that I am taking care of myself physically, mentally, emotionally with the practices that I know work for me so that I can show up fully as a partner so that I can put energy and effort into my partnership or partnerships, Mm -hmm. um, that I can 
I can manage myself. Like if jealousy gets triggered now, I have actually experienced jealousy, not <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah, that is unpleasant, but it is actually, I like to say jealousy is my best friend. It's something that really shows me something for me to work on. If jealousy is coming up, I'm having an insecurity triggered, or there's an insecure experience in the relationship that I need to talk about to uh, my partner with. It's giving me information. So it's uncomfortable, but it's my responsibility to build myself to be someone who can be uncomfortable, who can manage that experience, turn it into something useful and additive to the relationship. Yeah, just a, just a barometer for like how things are going. Exactly. So like, I know when I'm being triggered, I know when I'm not my best self, it is not my partner's responsibility to take care of that. Um, I am my caretaker. I mean, we all have moments and yes, I partnership where you can lean on someone sometimes for sure, but not as the pattern. Mm-hmm. Like the pattern is, is I, I am my number one partner and mm-hmm. then making sure that I'm able to take the, that since my cup is running over, making sure I'm pouring that into my partnerships. Yeah. One I would add to my list. I'm trying to think of like what would be on my list. And I feel like um, there's so many I could think of. Mm-hmm. Willingness, I would say. Um, and curiosity. when I say willingness, yeah, willingness, <laughs> curiosity, but like willingness to understand self, willingness to understand other, and like willingness to do the work. Absolutely. So for that's me, like willingness me, is foundational. Key. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how, I don't know how to, how you can be in a partnership. It's just, that's a one-sided partnership to me if both people aren't invested in working through something like yes we get to enjoy all the wonderful things together but is there yeah a willingness yeah um is there a curiosity for when you're bumping up against something of mining it for what's here for us yeah um that's but- that's what that's like foundational to me even honestly even in friendships yeah, I mean, I, w- I would all, like all it to be. <laughs> yeah, I would like it to be foundational, but I find that, and I'm not saying that there isn't a good aspect that I think of when I think of like accepting someone as they are. But you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, this is just the way I am. This is just the way yeah. I am." And um, okay. I, I don't know. I think there's like a, I'm not sure what the ideal healthy combination is, but that's sort of the opposite that I see sometimes with couples when there's like an unwillingness. And that doesn't mean that you should say like, well, you need to change. You need to do all this stuff. But you know what I mean? Like finding this balance between willingness and acceptance um, is hard. I think for me, like when I hear that with couples I'm working with, it also is very contextual. It really depends on what the this is me is Mm -hmm. in reference to. Yeah. But if it's a, if it's a behavioral pattern, we choose our behaviors. We choose our actions. We don't choose our reactivity and emotions. We choose the actions we take from those things. So I can choose if I want to be a reactionary person and not think about my actions and just like go from that. Or I can say, Hey, wow, I'm feeling all these things. I need to like take care of myself before I choose an action here. So when it's something that there is involving choice, then it's a different conversation. You're choosing to say, well, this is how I am. I would mm-hmm. actively not like mm-hmm. to look at this and potentially grow. So I like to bring that language into um, a session. If I'm having a couple have yeah. that bumping up against that, of like, okay, well, let's, let's own this. Mm-hmm. You are making a choice. Okay. Yeah. So knowing that your partner is making that choice, are you interested in meeting them there in that choice? Mm-hmm. Or is that non-negotiable for you? Yeah. Because it is okay to have, you, you can have negotiables and non-negotiables there is compromise involved in partnership and you, you do need to have some sense of self and where you're not willing to go. And that's where we get into compatibility. 
Yeah. It's, I think something that's important to talk about in this space is uh, a misconception that opening a relationship will end your relationship. Opening your relationship will bring a lot of things to the surface that you may have been able to hide behind monogamy and unspoken things and assumptions. Mm-hmm. Non-monogamy affords the ability to look at all of that stuff, get real uncomfortable, and ideally get even closer through working on that. Mm-hmm. And it can also show you some truths that go, you know what, actually, we may have outgrown our partnership. We may you know, need to readjust what this partnership is. You know, Maybe we're nesting partners and we're not necessarily primary partners anymore or whatever context. It's a useful container in which to evolve the relationship if it needs to be. Yeah. Hey, slutty scholars, you have asked and you shall receive. I am now going to be doing Q&A episodes. If you would like to anonymously ask a question to be featured on the show, just go to sluttyscholars.com and click on the link, ask a question. That's sluttyscholars.com and click on the link to ask a question. That's also where you can find all of my advertiser discounts. So feel free to ask away. I will get to as many questions as I can, but I can't promise that I will get to all of them, though I really do look forward to hearing from you and I'm excited to connect more in this way. Hope you enjoy the episode and I'm excited to read your questions. I love what you were saying about choice. And I think the part that sometimes I'm working on with couples is to get them to a safe place in their nervous system where they actually can make choice. Because I think sometimes, sometimes maybe on paper, something feels like a choice, but we're like so stuck in that pattern or that trauma response or whatever, where it just, it feels out of control. Even if it's not out of control, mm-hmm. it feels out of control. And that's the part mm-hmm. that I, that I notice I have to work on a lot with my therapy clients is just like, what will it take to get to a place where they do feel like they can make a choice? Cause sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a choice, even when on paper it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, and we're kind of touching on, um, potential attachment triggers and things like that, which definitely yeah. come up. I, like I learned it was so interesting because I assumed, you know, oh, my pattern, you know, I'm in a very secure attached place at this point in my life. That doesn't mean I don't get triggered and like anxious attachment comes up and I figured, okay, I have anxious attachment tendencies until I met my avoidant attachment tendencies in a different partnership. And I was like, oh, this is new. And yeah. learning that you can have different insecure attachments with different based people, on different style. Exactly. It was totally. like, yes. I'm not just this like prescription. Like, yeah. I know. I so think that's, again, so, yeah, that's acknowledging what I that. Yeah, that's what I don't know about you, yeah. but that's what's been frustrating sometimes about the mainstream like books about attachment is they are, you know, our our culture just loves to categorize. Like people really want to be in a unchanging category. And and look, sometimes it's helpful because people are like, oh, okay, I, I get me a little more now and I can connect with other people like me. And sometimes that's so healing. But yeah, I, I have definitely felt the same for myself that there are some partners like I would say maybe on baseline, I was a little more anxiously attached. I've worked hard to like heal some of those tendencies, but when I was with avoidant partners or people who were a little more tended towards avoidance, um, I was way more anxious, right? Yeah. (laughs) Versus when I've been with secure partners, sometimes the avoidance comes out because I'm like, let's had the drama like what you know where's yeah, the fire those, like learned responses exactly. yeah, it's, like, it's like i think of it like spices like depending on how you mix the spices different totally. ones accentuate in different ways absolutely yeah this this one needs a little more salt this one needs all the whole <laughs> bottle of tapatio like absolutely <laughs> that's so yeah i love that metaphor i'm can i with your permission can i use that please, please. yeah <laughs> i really like that um well one 
I'm like, what's the segue here to talk about sexy play parties? Uh, One Spice (laughs) is going to play parties. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Okay, so I'm curious. I've talked about uh, sexy parties on the show a little bit before, but how do you define play party versus sex party? I mean, quite frankly, to to me, they're synonymous. Um, That's how I use them. I understand that there can be different degrees of what's invited in different spaces, but I don't, again, this comes down to what I love about our community is speaking the definitions, not assuming the definitions, mm-hmm. like whether you're having what you call a play party or what you call a sex party, defining what play and what sex is and where it's enabled and celebrated in that space. Um, yeah. the, the spaces we create at the play um, so the organization I'm on the board for is called the play. We host play parties, sex parties. Um, we invite full self-expression at these events, consensual self-expression. We teach consent, um, in the space as well. Um, our, you know, our foundational pillars are intimacy, um, health, artistry, and consent. And we live and create and build by those. So, in a sense, anything goes within a couple little parameters. There are a few dynamics that you can't really safely moderate in um, an environment like that. Um, for example, you know, age play. We, we, we don't know how, you know, everyone is, of course, of legal age, but there's certain stuff within that space that is just harder to regulate. And then, of course, CNC, consensual non-consent or rape fantasies. That's not something we can moderate. We don't know if you're actually consenting. So those things need to take place outside of our space. Other than that, all manner of sensual play is invited and celebrated. We have performances at our events, um, anything from world-class performers that are a part of our community to, you know, a housewife who has a fantasy she's always wanted to experience. We help her produce it in a way that's either performative or experiential um, so that it can be an offering to the community. And we also lead um, an intimacy exercise at the top of our event as well after our consent talk so that we're grounding everyone in the same space. We make sure that our parties have a, um, an even ratio, as even as possible, of people that are new to play parties and new to the community and returning guests so that there's a good mix. It's not always a bunch of people who are new and not sure what to do, but it's not all a bunch of recurring and we have like one person who's not sure. That way it enables people to sense a feeling of, of comfort and familiarity um, you're going to see somebody you recognize, you know, from the last party. If you've been there before, if you're new to the space or you're new to us, you're going to have that feeling of like community. It's not going to feel so scary. And part of what we do when you come into our space, we have what we call angels that welcome you in, bring you in, show you everything in the space, and they introduce you to someone. It's not just like, here, good luck. We're fostering community here. So we're going to introduce you to someone who's been here before. And then we have our performances. So you have something to enjoy. You have something other than like, hey, want to get busy to talk about with people. It's not just about, you know, jumping into play or jumping into sex. It's really about curating a centrally artistic and expressive space in which you can enjoy fully expressing yourself and experiencing anything you want that night. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. The way that I've I I think sex party and play party could be synonymous, but because of the way our culture usually narrowly defined sex, I have tended to like differentiate it a little bit personally, just because like play party to me is where like the sort of Mm. standard penetrative sex, um, is not the main focus, um, where like Mm -hmm. there's a lot more 
openness for, like you said, how you can define sex and how you can define play. So like more emphasis on potentially kink or BDSM or more emphasis on like diverse definitions of, of sex and diverse definitions of like pleasure versus when I think Mm -hmm. of like standard sex party, I think a little more of like folks who are going to like an orgy and it's like, we're here to fuck. And like, yeah, of course, maybe there's like other stuff happening, but it seems a little more focused on like the standard definition of sex and like neither is bad or wrong and every party can have different flavors. But, um, Mm -hmm. I find myself being pulled more towards the play, uh, play type definition because Mm -hmm. I want there to be an open descriptor of like what is possible in that space. Yeah, I I very much hear that. I think that's probably the same reason, but a different reaction from me on because of that narrow definition, I'm here to expand that definition. Yes. Um, And so I own that word expressively and I make Mm -hmm. sure we talk about everything you're addressing. Exactly that. Um, That it's not just penetrative genital sex. (laughs) There is lots of kinds of sex. And I think we have a great balance. I mean, the reason I'm a part of this community, I've been in this space for eight or nine years at this point, I've hosted with other communities. And yes, there's so many options, which is incredible. Everyone's kind of doing it their way. We exist because of what we felt was missing in the space. Um, And it's not a a slight to what other people are doing. It's just like, isn't this wonderful that we can add something more? We're very, like I said, very community oriented. We're very much always taking into account our community's feedback on like how we can tweak, how can we improve? How can we grow? Mm -hmm. We definitely have people that come to like, get it done. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And and we've had, and we've had people who, who wonderful people who've been like, you know what, this isn't for me because all the performances and da, 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 I just want to like get to it. I'm like, yeah, that's not what we do. And that's fine. There are other people who do like go to town when you're, when you want a whole night of entertainment and experience and connection and community that also includes, if you would like, (laughs) sex with people who would like to have sex with you um but we're we're not here to guarantee you anything other than an enjoying some entertainment in a safe space where you can fully express um and we have a, a quite a good mix of people and a very high retention rate which feels, feels yeah. good <laughs> yeah and for folks listening who want a little more information on like the basics mm-hmm. of play parties um go back and check out the episode with keely rankin um and another episode with uh, major tom conscious play um and you can hear yeah we both know major tom awesome <laughs> Um, you can hear a little bit more about like what that is, like how to kind of even get, get started. And I want to talk a little bit more yeah. about that today, but go back and check that out if you, if you haven't yet. So yeah. do, do your homework, slutty scholars and, uh, do your pre, your prerequisite <laughs> reading. Um, I want to circle back to something you said, you said in your space, there's kind of been a, a boundary <laughs> around no age play and no consensual non-consent. And so again, you said already, but for folks who don't know, age play is consenting adults, but playing around with um, age and power dynamics around. Um, that's when we talk about the the daddy dumb little girl vibes, y'all. If you've heard me talk about that on the show mm-hmm. before, um, and CNC, as you said, is playing with force fantasies in a consensual, planned way. Um, I'm curious about the decision to kind of um, put those on the the no list, and and what happens if you notice folks doing that in the space and how do we handle that in a way that's like not shaming of those things? Cause those can be wonderful, great ways to play, but I hear oh, yeah. we're standing <laughs> here responsible for hundreds of people, um, in a space yeah. and safety. Um, those can be edgier. Yeah. Oh, and I, and I should say, and 
with the age play also race play is not for this space and again it's i don't want to say it's a no list it's a not here list mm-hmm. you know we here we celebrate all you know interests and curiosities and kinks yeah. and i think yeah. the, the advantage i have is I'm, I'm our consent fairy so i do our consent talk at the beginning of the evening i'm in the cnc i like a little age play like i'm into yeah. this stuff so there's that ability for me to be like look this is my jam yeah. and this is not the place for me to spread that jam on toast. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I like that way of saying it's, it. It's not, it's not a judgment. This is not a, we're not saying you're wrong for wanting this. We're mm. like, yeah, fucking work yourself up, get the juices going, take it home and take care of it. Mm-hmm. But we can't moderate and we're responsible for a community, not a community. Yes. is made up of individuals, but when you bring individuals together into a group that fundamentally changes the dynamic. So we have to be responsible for, you know, potentially people have trauma in this space mm-hmm. and someone, whether you're interested in engaging in CNC or not, even witnessing it can be really problematic for someone. Same with yeah. race play. Like that's not what, that's not what we can do safely for everyone in this space. And if it can't be safe for everyone, it can't be in a communal space. Mm, so it is absolutely yeah. not a shaming or a no or whatever. It's just not, just not here. Mm-hmm. But like, get my number because let's let's go. Let's talk later. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no. I thank you for for clarifying that. That's a I like the way that you described it. Um. Right. So I have a lot of folks who often will ask me like how do I even get involved in these communities? Like, I think people who are listening and they're like, okay, I want to do this. Like I said, go back to some of those starter episodes for like how to know if you're ready, questions to ask yourself before, like how to prepare, how to do the aftercare, like all that stuff is very important. And for the folks who are like, I'm ready, but like, where do I start? Um, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, it seems like it's like an, uh, if you know, you know, right? Like people have a hard time like finding and and locating and, and then, oh, we have to apply. What if I don't get accepted? Like any, as someone who, like you said, went from monogamy to like hosting play parties, like any tips for folks in terms of like how to break into the scenes and to find the space that's right for them? Well, and I also want to be specific that like, you don't have to be non-monogamous to go to a play party. And you don't have to go to play parties if you're non-monogamous. Like they are, they are <laughs> their own things. Thank we you for plenty. clarifying that. Yeah, yes. I think it's it's super important because we we absolutely have couples who come to our events. They don't play with anybody else. They come, they enjoy the ambiance. They enjoy maybe watching other people, and then they go home and they have a great time. Or they only play with each other in the space, whatever it is. There there is not any kind of requirement other than mutual respect and consent. Yeah. Um, in these spaces, you are not required to do anything like we are here for the empowered. No, if it's not yeah. a fuck, yes, it's a no. And that can change in the moment that can change before, or during at any time. So this is, I'm going to get into my whole consent talk. Let me bring it back. <laughs> um, oh, you are the consent fairy. I understand. Whether I have the wings on or not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. but, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately somewhat for, fortunately unfortunately at this stage there is an element of if you know you know and knowing someone in word of mouth because of unfortunate um censorship elements like <laughs> i spent this morning learning that my accounts have been uh blocked by instagram um for sharing sex education are you so that's serious been fun. yeah it's awesome uh. so i'm dealing with that right now um but like there are certain real world things that we have to deal with to keep our spaces um accessible in a safe way as well because there's an element of maintaining the integrity 
and safety of our community. Yeah. Um, we do have to have some kind of vetting and mm-hmm. that looks different for every community for the play. We have a process where you submit an application. Yeah. Um, you then get scheduled for a one-on-one interview and then you get added to our list and invited to join our membership, which then enables you to purchase tickets for our events, which we also do non-play social events, educational events, things like that. Um, I'm actually building our educational program. That's why I'm launching Passport to Pleasure, which will have all the courses and guidance and everything you need to not only explore non-monogamy, but also to um, investigate the play play party spaces. But all that to say, um, there are incredible educational communities in a lot of major cities as well, which are a great place to start. Because even though it is a lot of word of mouth, meeting people in the space is how you do that. It's also how you build community. It's also how you learn. Um, it is never a bad idea, whether that's a virtual community or an in-person event, getting out into the communal spaces, you know, different polyamory meetups, stuff like that. Those are great entry points to then just start having those conversations. Um, and you'd be surprised once you start really connecting with people like that, sharing yourself, learning, um, and again, building community, the the invitations and the awareness of like those events is going to come very organically and quite frankly, probably very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, I would add to that and say like, you know, joining community is key. And so some ways to start joining community is, you know, first get a little clearer on which kind of community, you know, are you looking more yes. for kink, non-monogamy, whatever. Definitely. Um, but some places to yeah, start. It's important be... to note that those are different because there's like yeah. kink specific parties, there's swinger specific parties, there's different personalities, if you will. To each yes. Those, and, so. and maybe you don't know what it is yet, but like yeah. some top places to start looking would be like the field app. A lot of people promote yeah. their parties on the field app. Um, FetLife is still like an old Great gold one. standard, even though please update your fucking interface, FetLife. Um, Asking for too much. So bad. <laughs> um, uh, they have a lot of events on there. Um, yeah. And just like you said, a quick Google search in your area for like uh, starter events. Last one is check out, again, not not all people might be looking for kink stuff, but like most of the time, the dungeon in your area will have intro uh, events, you know, to go to. And you do have a dungeon in your area. Yeah. And you do you know it somewhere <laughs> close, uh, close yeah. enough by, um, you know, to check out. Cause they have like, for example, in Los Angeles, we have nine, 10 WeHo and, yeah. uh, and dungeon East and, uh, many others. Um, and so you can check out, you know, introductory classes, introductory events for newbies, and then you meet people and then you meet more people. And then they're like, well, have you heard about this? Well, have you heard about this? Um, once you kind of get into it, there's a lot, a lot more. So join, join community. I think of it like, like, you know, getting hired at a new company or like anything like that. You you would want, you would want any community that you're going to invest your time and energy into, to be of the standard that you would like, right? So you would like them to have some sort of discretion. So understand that, yes, there is a process. You you are meeting people. You need to be making sure you're educating yourself because it can't be everyone else's responsibility to make sure that, you know, you, you know what you want, that you know where your boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Like, we can ask you, but if you don't know... I feel like I'm a little bit on a tangent. <laughs> like, no, again, no, I know what you're saying. The community. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yes, maybe there are some places that are free-for-alls and it can be nice in some situations to have that. But as you said, if it's yeah. something that you're really caring about and wanting to do intentionally and in a, a risk-aware way and as safe as you can, um, you will have to put in some work maybe to find it, but it will be That's worth part of the, fun. the work <laughs> if it's something that Absolutely. you really care about. Absolutely. You will only benefit and grow from it, even if that 
growth is learning, hey, this isn't for me. Yeah. Amazing. Now you know how awesome is that? You don't have to wonder for the rest of your life. You yeah. Know? Um, before we wrap up, what's been your favorite part about going to these sex positive play party spaces? And um, yeah. like, just like one, I mean, there's so many, but maybe like one takeaway or something that's just been like your favorite aspect. God, though, man, that's like, like let me start the list. Yeah, well, I'll I'll try to think yeah. of mine, which is is a hard question to answer. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, it's like just continuing to remember that there's like always new things. Um, like sometimes yeah. I feel like I get to a place where I'm like, oh, I know all the things that I like, or like I, you know, I know this, and 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 going to events is a consistent reminder of like other things that are interesting and just like other things yeah. that are possible. And so for me, it's like the um, excitement of that continued curiosity and that there's like always something more to discover about yourself, about other people and about yeah. what you like. Um, and I love yeah. that. I love that ongoing learning. Yeah. It's like that limitless growth, limitless love, limitless yeah. expansion. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's, it's somewhat connected. We're in a time in our world, cancel culture, where it's just like you, you have to be born knowing everything um, and never offend anyone or make a mistake or anything. Otherwise you're like done, which is very unrealistic to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. I love the ability in our space to make mistakes, to make them safely, to be able to dialogue about them when they occur. I think there, there is almost nothing more beautiful than how our community, not always, but often handles rupture that we lean in. We go, Hey, I don't think you're occurring the way you think you're occurring. It's landing for me this way. And this is the impact you had on me. And oh my God, thank you. Especially in a leadership role. I appreciate so much when people share with me, if I'm not occurring for them in the way that's like beneficial or helpful, because that's not who I want to be. I want to be someone who is able to lead by example, who is communicating the way that I intend to, who is showing people in my actions, word, life, everything, what's possible. And so if that's not what's occurring, there is nothing more valuable than when someone comes to me and lets me know that in a way that's like generative, not in a way of like, you know, you're done. Like, and that it just doesn't happen anywhere near as frequently in this space that I've experienced as it does out in the you know general world. And I think it's so valuable because if we're getting to this point where like no one can make mistakes in the world, like we're really not in a good place because I don't know how else we learn. You know, we have to be able to trust each other in that way. And and that's, that's intimacy to me. That's intimacy, I mean, that the is, ability. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And so I just, I want to just really quickly, just as we're wrapping up to the reason I'm stepping forward in this way, I've been in this space now for eight or nine years, but not in a very public way. I've been a leader in the community, but now launching my brand passport to pleasure publicly. Um, it's very exciting, mm -hmm. very scary. Yeah. Um, the intention. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> the intention very much is to be a part of shifting that dialogue of, you know, we're in this time now, which is exciting where non-monogamy is a part of the bigger conversation, but there's still so many like myths and misinformation and censorship and um, demonizing that it's just like, it's just incorrect information. And so I want to make sure that I'm a part of making all the educational resources available um, to the mainstream market as possible, showing people everything that is possible in this space and giving them all the tools they need to explore and discover if it's even for them 
in a way that's like safe and empowering. So I do that with courses. I'm launching my first course, ENM 101, Exploring Healthy Non-Monogamy. It's basically my primer. It's mm-hmm. super comprehensive, but very compact. And has basically all the basics, vocabulary, relationship dynamics, you know, all the tools, communication, et cetera, just to give you a total overview of what's possible in the space. And then the key takeaway is that tool we talked about earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. the relationship agreement, giving them a, giving couples a literal template that they can work and then walking them through section by section, how to build their own relationship agreement. So whether you decide to step into non-monogamy or continue with monogamy, you have a document that's now guiding your relationship, how you communicate with each other, the boundaries you're creating together so that your relationship is just as alive as you are. Mm-hmm. Actually, wanna ra- I actually want to end on that. Something I, I really make clear when I'm working specifically with couples, because I do work with individuals and throuples and everything as well. But specifically when couples come to me, yeah. acknowledging that they're already in a threesome. You have your two individuals and you have and your relationship. relationship that you're co-creating and all yeah. three of those pe- people, all three of those entities yeah. um, deserve atten- the equal attention, effort um, and acknowledgement. And mm-hmm. so once you really understand that framework, then you can really start building out into what else is possible. Yeah. No, thank you for those. Those were some great gold nuggets at the end there. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna slot them in. (laughs) No, no, I know. It was good. Delete Um, the rest of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, just some multiple orgasms at the end. Um, I loved what you were saying about what has been a highlight for you of, of these play spaces. And I have to name that like some play spaces foster that reparative work much better than others. And unfortunately, there's some spaces that don't know how to do that yet. And I hope that they will continue to learn. (laughs) Um, So that's part of the vetting, like you said, seeing like, well, is this a place that feels safe enough to me? And, and maybe that's a question you ask when you're vetting, like what spaces you want to go to is like, what happens here? Who do I talk to? What's the power dynamic? If something's not feeling right. Um, Exactly. uh, Or, I mean, there's communities like the play we're going to be, we're in the process of finalizing, but we'll be posting our code of conduct. It's a 29 page document. We are honored and appreciative that the Bedobos in in, uh, in, uh, NorCal allowed us to use theirs as a framework to then turn into ours. It shows you our our repair process, everything that could possibly happen and how we deal with it. And we'll be adjusting it as we continue to grow as well. Um, But I'm I'm proud to be a part of a community that's really committed to to not even to to regenerative justice. It's not just repairing. It's, it's not the repair isn't always possible. It's about how do we transform and grow from this? Yeah. If we can't make it like you can't rewind. Yeah. Where, what, where is the value and how do we we go now? Something to launch on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been great talking to you. Um, I know you mentioned social media um, was shitty to you today. And (laughs) that just means you're doing something. That just means you're doing something right because all the, all the best sex educators and counselors and coaches out there, we've had the same thing. Um, So what's the best way for people to follow you and make sure they're getting your info? Um, Obviously shout out your socials too, but in case they're being shitty, how can people hire you um, connect with you? So the best, best way is go to my website. It's Passport to Pleasure and it's the number two. So Passport, the number two, pleasure.com. Sign up for my free newsletter. You'll get an amazing 50 page ebook with tons of information, a couple couple freebie tools to use to really see if, you know what, let's, let's explore this more. And that's where you can find my courses. That's where you can work with me one-on-one for some private guidance. I'll also be launching uh, my fuck around the world and find out retreats um, as well, which are going to be eco luxury destinations for um, uh, no more than 10 couples. 
Um, and then it'll be really building a lot again of those communication um, skills, attunement, all that. But yes, retreats, one-on-one guidance and courses all at passporttopleasure.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining listeners. Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. You can listen to the episodes anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to uh, rate and review. Uh, Also, sometimes on X slash Twitter at Sluts Scholars or sometimes TikTok, Sluts and Scholars. Um, (laughs) And talk to you next week. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.